0: Good morning, I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. So before I kick off today's show, I've decided moving forward, I'm going to give a one minute tip or right around there of some advice to help us stay a little more positive. We're all going through a very, very unprecedented, challenging time to say the very least. So here's this week's tip. Okay, you ready? Very simple. Take a walk. That's right. Just taking a walk can help your mental, physical, and emotional state for the rest of the day. I've been doing this for the longest time. I get up really early in the morning. I take a walk, rain or shine. I really don't care if it's raining, and I'm out there, and I'm doing it. Obviously, none of us can go to the gym if that's your thing, and taking a walk doesn't cost a dime. Try to make time for your morning walk or whenever it is throughout the day. Focus on breathing, too. You know, take the time to just breathe in the air. Hopefully, you're around fresh air, by the way. Just breathe in. Inhale, exhale, you know, just try to relax a little. We're all very, very stressed right now. And finally, you know, walking is really great because it gives you a chance to kind of tune in to what's been bothering you, to try to find a solution to something perhaps you're working on, come up with new ideas. So again, consider taking a walk to help you through this time. You really won't regret it. That's my weekly tip, and every week we'll be having another one. And if you want to find out about being the guest of my show, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at K-U-C-I First up on today's show is author Erin Carr. We're going to talk about her book, Strung Out. One last hit and other lies that nearly killed me. Aaron's just released memoir focuses on the opioid crisis and how it's responsible for over 47,000 deaths every year, nearly two-thirds of all drug-related deaths in this country. The question on everyone's mind is why. Why do so many people turn to drugs? Aaron's memoir is a raw look at Carr's 15-year opioid addiction and her long, difficult road to recovery. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show author Erin Carr. Good morning, Erin.
1: Hi. Good morning.
0: Congratulations on your book, Strung Out, One Last Hit, and Other Lies Nearly Killed Me. Let me start with this. Were you always a writer, or did something transpire that made you want to tell your story?
1: You know, it was a combination of things. I had um, started an advice column back in 2009 on my blog, and which moved to Ravishly in 2015, so I had opened up about my past a bit when answering questions for the column and had also started writing personal essays on the topics of addiction and recovery. I realized that the response that I had to my articles was, was really overwhelming. Um, people really responded to it, and I realized that not only did opening up about my story help to lessen my own shame, but it really did that for others too.
0: Have you found some common themes in why people you know, get involved heavily in drugs?
1: You know, I speak about addiction a lot and and do so even with um, public health officials, policymakers, law enforcement. And the thing that I always like to start with is that addiction is present before the drugs come in. That certainly was the case for me, and I have seen that be the case for a lot of people I know.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. Tell me about your road, you know, as a writer and where you are now.
1: Sure. So, as a writer, I you know I didn't start out um, my adult career life as a writer. I did a variety of other things from working in when I was living in Los Angeles, working in production as a wardrobe stylist, and then later on as a production coordinator. I worked for a while um, for a nonprofit with homeless and runaway youth, and I had a clothing line. So I've done a variety of things. I was at a turning point after the economic um, downturn in 2008. I had a decision to make about whether or not I wanted to invest more money into the company I had or I wanted to do something that I felt more passionately about. I hadn't finished college because of my drug use in my 20s and decided to go back to school and finish my degree and um, pursue writing. It really, from that point forward, everything began to click in a way that it hadn't clicked for me before. And as I said, I had started this advice column, then I started writing professionally, um, doing, you know, in addition to my weekly column, writing articles and essays and whatnot. And this led to the book.
0: (laughs) You know, it's interesting how things, you know, come into place like a puzzle. They they just kind of, you don't really quite know where it's going. And then one day you wake up and you go, you know, uh, this could be a book.
1: Yeah. And I think that it was the whole publishing process for me was kind of, you know, I had sort of like a dream scenario along the way. I didn't meet with a lot of obstacles everything sort of fell into place and it it really confirmed for me that it was the right time mm-hmm. um, you know I have I'm 17 years drug free
0: amazing congratulations and
1: of, thank you I have a lot of time and space from the events in the narrative which allowed me to write about it in a way where I could actually apply craft to it you know mm-hmm. I think that there's there's sometimes a misconception about memoir that it's you know, that it's therapeutic for the writer, that it's like a cathartic experience. And, and I'd argue that, like, that catharsis has to happen before you're really able to write yeah, the book because sure. I needed that distance. I needed, I needed to have, you know, more than one voice present in that narrator, you know, me being the narrator in the book. I needed the narrator at the different ages that I was, and I yes. also needed the narrator as me today with the time and healing and perspective that I have to be able to present the story in a, in a clearer way.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Erin Carr about her book, Strung Out, One Last Hit and Other Lies That Nearly Killed Me. Don't you find it interesting how it takes time to get your book together, but then you think, well, at least for me, sometimes timing is everything, waiting until you're a little older or
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, had a chance to process things. Does that ring true for you? Oh,
1: absolutely. I couldn't have written the same book five years out. From these events. I really needed, I needed the time to do the work on myself to sort of undo the damage that I'd done. I needed mm-hmm. time to sort of process a lot of the trauma that I talk about in the book. Um, I, I definitely needed that time and space and perspective that comes with, you know, lived experience. Maybe that's not the case for everyone, but it, it certainly was for me. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, now being a parent, I see things in a way that I wouldn't have been capable of seeing before, right? So I'm right. looking at sort of this trajectory because I started with drugs at such an early age and I'm seeing it from both the perspective as a parent looking at, at the younger me as a child mm-hmm. and me, you know, my own perspective as a child and what that experience was like. And I think that that's something that was really necessary for this particular book.
0: Yeah. I'm um, in listening to you, I'm thinking you're probably trying to be, not trying, you are being the antithesis of how you grew up, mm-hmm. you know, for especially raising a child.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, definitely. You know, I mean, I, I have a really close relationship with both of my parents now and a very good relationship with them, and they're really involved with their grandchildren. But, you know, I grew up at a time you know, and part of it was also, you know, sort of the language of the, the era, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the 80s, my parents weren't raised in a way that they talked about these things. And the way that I'm raising my children is that I've opened up conversations with them, you know, in an age-appropriate way from a very early age talking about feelings. Because that's sort of where the basis of it is, right? Opening Open sure. up these conversations because I didn't have that language when I was a kid and was struggling with depression and anxiety, talk to my parents about it. I didn't know how. So I think as parents, you know, from a very early age, what we can do is share our experiences in an age-appropriate way that keeps that door open and allows our children to see us not just as these authority figures or parents, but also as humans, imperfect humans who have also struggled with things. Yeah. Because I think that the lesson is in sort of how you came out of that struggle.
0: Right. I find it interesting in reading your bio, um, you hid bes- behind the facade of a perfect childhood filled with good grades, a popular gr- group of friends, and horseback riding. When I think of kids who get into drugs and they're depressed, they're not always like that.
1: Right. And I was very much, that's why, you know, uh, there are a few reasons, but I mean, number one, I I worked really, really hard to maintain the facade that I had created for myself. You know, I think a lot of us, create belief systems at an early age for a variety of reasons that we hold about ourselves. And I had a belief system about myself that if people really saw what was going on inside of me, they wouldn't love me. Yeah. I had been sexually abused at the age of four and didn't tell anyone about it. I was struggling with this depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation and all of those things. I felt this this intense need to cover up. I'm, I'm an extrovert by nature, so I always thrived being around people, I had great grades, I had a lot of friends, was always really popular, really active with a variety of things. That allowed me to stay hidden for a very long time. You know, and the other part of of what enabled me to keep my addiction under wraps was that I came from a certain amount of financial privilege. So to the people in my life, on the outside, it did not appear that I looked anything like what their impression of a drug addict was.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. Uh-huh. Um, what do you do now to take care of yourself? I mean, we're going through, you know, this pandemic right now. What, what do you do right now to take care of yourself, um, you know, to keep yourself mentally, physically, emotionally strong?
1: You know, it's tough right now. I mean, I <laughs> with all of the tools that I have now, mm-hmm. I have still had days where I feel really low and you know I don't for me it's not I'm not at the point ever that I think like I want to use drugs but it's just sort of struggling with that same depression and anxiety that can come up particularly at a time like this Mm -hmm. the number one difference between me now and me is that I tell people about it. It's good. Tell my husband, I get in touch with my therapist, my psychiatrist, uh-huh. reach out to my friends. I'm not hiding the fact that I'm having a tough day anymore. That's right. If I have a tough day, I tell people. I'm not perfect. It's not like you suddenly do all this work and then you never struggle again. Right. The difference is now is that I am able to you know to say that I'm struggling, to reach out for help. And then, you know, the other things that I do sort of in like a practical way, you know, one of the big things for me is getting outside, which I live in New York City and it's a little bit tenuous because oh yeah, particularly this week, you know, we've been encouraged to get outside for exercise and I live in Greenwich Village. My neighborhood is really empty right now, mm-hmm. but, you know, there is this sort of mixed message of like, yes, get outside for exercise, but, but this week should be our worst. I know. Really don't go outside but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's challenging. So I am trying to get a little bit of fresh air every day. Yeah, I am I going love. back to, you know, doing some yoga. Kundalini yoga for me is like the only way that I have ever successfully tapped into any sort of meditation. It's great. The, the breathing and Kundalini yoga helps me get back into my body, which is a big deal for me because my initial impulse is always to like leave leave I don't want to be in my body I want to jump out of my skin Mm -hmm. sort of breathing helps ground me
0: great advice Water.
1: (laughs) This is going to sound so simple but if I am having a moment if I go drink a glass of water yeah mm, always helps and I think that I forget these sort of basic things when I'm in crisis like to drink water to eat these sorts of little things that make a huge difference and I it's amazing to me how hydration is, like, the first thing to go.
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? I, I know.
1: And it really, really helps. Having a glass of water sort of cools down your nervous system and and just perks you up a little bit. The other thing that that really, really helps me is connecting with people in a way in which I can be of service. So an example of this is, you know, I've done this a few times, but a couple weeks ago I... Put something out on social media that if anybody was struggling with addiction or mental health issues, that they could my that my direct messages on social media were open and they could direct message me. I had so many people reach out, mostly all of them strangers
0: who were struggling,
1: and I messaged back and forth. And it wasn't even like some big, you know, big exchange, but just that simple act of somebody being able to say, "Hey, I'm having a really hard time." And me replying and saying, you know, I understand and, like, this is sort of what's working for me. And, you know, you don't have to figure out how you're going to get through this long term. Just figure out how you're going to get through it for the next hour. Yes. Things like that. Ways in which I can still be of service from my bedroom. <laughs>
0: True. Yeah.
1: That that always helps in terms of getting out of your own head. Like, when, you, when we get into service, we help dispel that anxious energy because we're actively doing something. I think that what's really difficult for all of us right now is the lack of control over what's happening and the lack of knowledge over how long it's going to last. So any way in which we can get into action um, really, really helps for me. That's always sort of uh, a buffer against depression because depression for me is sort of like the opposite of action. It's just inaction. Yes. So, Any sort of steps you can take to do that are helpful. Yeah.
0: So we have to wrap up, but just tell me where can people find out more about you?
1: Sure. So everything you need to know is on my website, which is E R I N K H A R. E-R-I-N-K-H-A-R.com. That links to everywhere I am on social media, to news about the book, to upcoming. I have a lot of uh, virtual live uh, events coming up. And uh, my weekly advice column, Ask Erin, is on Ravishly. And you can ask me a question via my website or at askerin at ravishly.com.